It's a new day. Let's go. Hi, you're welcome. You have just tuned in to Action Youth and Young Adults Church. We are the vibrant youth of Action Chapel International. Over here, we're family. We're growing in love and supporting each other to develop and maintain a strong relationship with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you're blessed as you fellowship with us and encounter the Holy Spirit. Now please, jot things down as you enjoy today's message. God is good, everybody. I don't know about you, but God is good. This Sunday morning, this 25th of October, God is good. Regardless of what is going on, regardless of what your circumstances may look like, God is still good. We are not natural human beings. We are spirit beings. So we don't live by what we see. I want to encourage you, just shift your focus. Move from the natural things. Move your focus from the natural situations and circumstances and shift your focus onto God. Shift, commune, your spirit. let your spirit commune with God because you're a spirit being. And you will know when you enter the spirit, when you get in his presence, you will be assured in your spirit that his word is true. And all these things, no matter what it is, all of them will work together for your good. Amen? Amen. Clap your hands and thank the Lord. We're still talking about David and praise and worship. But last week I talked about repentance. Repentance from dead works. Repentance. Still about David and what made him unique and outstanding to God. Because he cared about the things that God cared about. He cared about the house of God, the work of God, the kingdom of God. I have a testimony. Last year around this time, we thought we were going to lose my mother. But I'm standing here to tell you that today is her 85th birthday. God has been faithful. Not only did he heal her and deliver her and cure her, but he has added to her years. And I'm believing that he's even going to do yet more in her life. And I give God for for her life. I give God praise for her life. Amen. I just wanted to just add that because, you know, last year around this time, I was not very, very, you know, I was not steady because I'm a mama's boy. So I'm not ashamed to tell you. Had she not carried me nine months, I wouldn't be standing here. I gave her trouble even in the womb. I kept running to the back and I was laying on a nerve so she would walk and she would keel to the right. And she had to stop and straighten herself to walk again and I'd go there again. She would do it again. She kept saying, yeah, could I go Move over. But I'm standing here today because, because she, 
I thank God for every woman in this place. And may the Lord God give you the fruit of the womb. It is your legacy, your, your inheritance, what you will leave to the world. I thank God for every woman. I thank God for the men too. You carry the seed, but she incubates the seed. And she doesn't incubate well. We get some shaky lilies. But God is good. Amen? So David, a man after God's own heart, knew how to praise God and worship him. He was so sharp and so sensitive to the things of God. And he pleased God so much, he understood that it was all about God and that he was created to glorify him, to make his praise glorious for the pleasure of God. And because of that, and because of how well he appointed himself, God created a set of mercies and named it after David. He was a king, he was a prophet, and he was a priest. And the Bible says there was no king like David before him or after him. A man after God's own heart. And it was all because of his relationship, his understanding of who God was. I pray that we all come to an understanding of who God is. Because when you understand who he is, you will care, you will care, you will carry his burden, the burden he has for his creation. And that will make you unique and outstanding to God. David cared so much that he praised, he set time aside to praise God seven times a day, seven times a day, regardless as king of all the things he had to administer and adjudicate over, he still made time to glorify God seven times a day. You see, your thanksgiving shows your gratitude. Your praise means you understand how great God is. Your praise and shows you understand how great God is. Your praise comes before you get what you want. Praise, your praise should go before. We normally make the mistake of praising God after we've gotten, but that should be thanksgiving. Praise God like you have it now. The scripture also says, don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now, shout in praise. The children of Israel had not won the battle, but they walked around the wall how many times? Seven times. Praising God. Praising God. And what happened? The walls came down. Whatever wall you have in your life. I want to advise you and admonish you this morning. If you praise him in spite of, the wall will come down. Amen? We worship him for his holiness. We reverence him, we understand that he is God, he is sovereign God. There's nothing that is made in this world that was not made by him. He is sovereign. That means he does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, and with whom he wants. God is no respecter of man. He can use a child the same way he can use an old person. Bible actually says, 
out of the mouth of babes. He can even cause a rock to cry out. So every chance you have when you have breath in your lungs, because if you refuse, God can cause a rock to cry out in your place. I don't know about you, but I don't want any rock praising for me. An inanimate object praising God for me. The animate object who is carrying his spirit and his breath in my lungs. No way. Amen? Every chance you get. David was quick to repent, which is what we want to talk about. Repentance from dead works. Anything you do, anything you do in this life, while you're yet alive, that you do without faith, without faith, it's dead. Any work you do, whether it's for the house of God, whether it's in the name of God, whether it's for yourself, whether it's towards your brothers and your sisters, your loved ones, without faith, it is dead work. Repentance from dead works is what we're talking about today. But, you know, repentance is towards God. David said, I've sinned against no man, only against you, God. Repentance is towards God. And sometimes we, we become complacent. We do things and we say, oh, well, this is the way I am. God understands. No. Well, he hasn't punished me. He hasn't done anything. I don't feel anything. I'm just, okay, God understands. No. It is his grace and his mercy. He's giving you time. He's giving you time. The scripture says there are things that we do when that God turns his eye. He's giving you grace. And there's a time. There's a time when he will turn around and he will rebuke you. Why? Because he rebukes those that he loves. He, if you love your child, you will chastise the child when he does wrong. You spank him when he needs to. Spare the rod and spoil the child. You will talk to them sometimes. You will advise them sometimes. And sometimes you just have to whip their butt. It's not because you hate the child. It's because you love the child and you want to correct their ways. Train up a child in the way they must go. And when they grow, they will not depart from it. That's what the scripture says. So, your repentance It's all geared towards you being sanctified. Sanctified. But repentance is in three parts. Repentance is in three parts. Or sanctification, rather, is in three parts. We are sanctified when we accept Christ. We are being sanctified as we exist. And we shall be when we finally see God. We will Take on the image of Christ when we see God. But in the now, we are to renew our minds daily. So your sanctification is a process. It's a work in process. It's something that must go on daily. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit sanctified. God saves you. He seals you. You accept that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross for you. But in your daily walk, that's why he says renew your mind daily. And that means 
and that only can come by his word. His word. How do you renew your mind daily? By his word. Because your mind is the battlefield. That's where the attack is. That's where the thoughts come. That's where the imaginations work. Your emotions. Things that push you and drive you. Things that make you act a certain way. So if this is not renewed, you can still give your life to Christ. You can accept him. But you will still be operating as an old man. Says so if any man is in Christ, he's a new one. How are you a new creature? By renewing your mind daily through his word. Sanctification is not just about yourself, but of others too. How do your, affect, your actions affect others? Because if you're saved and someone offends you and you're not willing to forgive, someone offends you and you're ready to fight them, you, the sanctified one, with your fist up, so then what is the person who is not saved? What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to act? If you are supposed to be the gauge, you are supposed to be the standard, and you are throwing blows, what do you expect of the unsaved? How then are you able to point fingers? Your very existence must be a witness. Your very life Somebody may never open up the Bible to read it. Perhaps maybe they can't read. But they will watch you. The one who says you're a believer. The one who says you're a Christian. And they may come to know Christ through you. Or they may be pushed away from Christ through you. So your sanctification is not just about you. Because as you work on it daily by renewing your mind, the word will purify you. The word will, will work on you. And the things that you used to do, you won't do anymore. You'll become the new man that the scripture is talking about. So there's positional sanctification in Christ, what Christ did for us on the cross. Then there's experiential sanctification. How we apply what Jesus did on the cross to our lives. You can know it and you can profess it, you can say it, but you must walk the talk. You can't just say it. It's just rhetoric. It becomes rhetoric when you just say it and you don't act it. If you love him, Love is not just what you say, it's what you do. If you love him, then you will do what he has commanded you to do. And you will do it because he says, sanctify yourself daily. So there's experiential sanctification. Then there's final or optimal sanctification when we see God. All three the scriptures 
prescription are aimed at us conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Be not conformed to this world. That's what the scripture says. But be ye what? Transformed. By the what? Renewing of your mind. So sanctification and repentance are ongoing. But I'm telling you, you cannot be sanctified unless you repent. We're talking about repentance from dead works. Let us look at Psalm 80, verse 3. Psalm 80, 80, verse 3. Psalm 80, verse 3. It says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Turn us is what? Repent. Repentance means turning around, changing your mind, turning from what you're doing, the wrong thing you're doing, to the right thing. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine on us. Turn us. What does that tell you? You're not even able to repent by yourself. Except the Spirit of God helps you. We need God's help even to repent. Repent us. Turn us. Turn around our lives, our minds, our attitudes. And then cause your face to shine upon us. Give us your mercy, your grace, your favor. And then we shall be saved. Go to verse 7 of the same scripture. What does it say again? Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Let us look at verse 19. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine on us, and we shall be saved. Why do you think he has put it there three times? And there are even more scriptures. Lamentations also talks about turning us. Repentance is key. Your sanctification will never be complete if you don't repent. You cannot be sanctified, made whole, made anointed, set apart, unless you repent. We don't like to hear about it. But it is not enough to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the Lord. He died on the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose up. He's in it. And then go on about your life the same way you used to. Your sanctification is aimed at bringing you into perfection for you to conform to the image of Christ. The only way you can conform is if you repent. Change your mind. Change your mind. Those things that you do, those things that you used to do, those things that you used to say, those places you used to go, those friends, those company, the company you used to keep. Because how about if you're not affecting their lives, they're affecting yours. So there's going to be a move one way or the other. And if you're not strong enough spiritually, they will turn you around. 
Amen? I know it's not what you expected today, but we need to really, time is short. Time is short. We need to really deal with repentance. It's so important that Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3, the first message of John the Baptist. Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 3. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Esaias, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This was his assignment. This was, he didn't prophesy. He's a prophet, by the way. He never prophesied. This is the only thing that he did. Admonishing people, admonishing them, admonishing them that they should repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ himself, the first message he preached was about repentance. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. If you are in the new kingdom, the new era, the period of grace by the advent of Jesus the Christ, you cannot carry your old luggage, your old self, your old isms, the things that you used to do into the new era. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent. Repentance from dead works. Repentance is towards God. And your faith is towards Jesus Christ. Why is it towards Jesus Christ? He says, if you ask anything of the Father, when you pray, you ask him anything in my name, he'll do it. So you have faith in the name of Jesus Christ. You believe. For with the heart, you believe. With your mouth, you confess. Tilly, thank you for the word you brought, the exhortation you brought about faith. It was Hebrews 11, wasn't it? Let's look at it again. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must, must, must believe that he is. If you don't believe that there's a God, then what are you putting your faith in? If you're going to be some tiny, it's either you believe or you don't. That's why he said, do not be double-minded because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And when you doubt, when you don't have faith, you will gain nothing. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Be diligent in your faith. 
Be diligent even in your faith. Don't profess your faith. Don't tout your faith when everything is going right. It's actually, especially when things are not going wrong, that you must tout your faith. Because that's a statement you're making. That regardless of what is going on, it may not be going the way I hoped or expected, but he is still God. He's still sovereign. He's still the Almighty. He's still the Alpha and the Omega. He's still the omniscient God, omnipotent God, the omnipresent God. He's still God your provider, God your healer. Regardless of what the doctor says. Oh, you have this disease. You think you're going to live for about one more month. We can't help you. Sorry, go home and die. He's still God. Oh, the prophet said, he's still God. God sent the prophet to King Hezekiah to tell him to prepare his house because he was going to take him. But Hezekiah knew who God was. He understood. He acknowledged. He had worked on his sanctification. He had served him. He cared about the things God cared about. And so he turned and faced the wall and said, God, remember. He had a covenant with God and he had decided to serve God. And because of his relationship with God, he was able to provoke the hand of God in this situation. That's what you're entitled to as a believer. That by having faith and renewing your mind daily and knowing his word, you understand your identity is in Christ. You take your identity. It's not what your mother says you are or what your father says or your friends. It's what God says you are. He says you're the head and not the tail. So when people come to you, tell you, you shine on the Lord that's what you think. You are entitled to an opinion. It's like a nose. Everybody has one. Everybody has an opinion. But what does God say about you? The only way you're going to know what God says about you is through his what? Word. Because when they tell you you are this and that, everything else but the child of God, you can say, not so. The word says, it is written, God said. And by faith, I believe because he's the one who made me, not you. Even your parents didn't make you. Hello? Surprise. Your parents didn't make you. They were the vessels by which you came to the world. But the one who made you is the one you read about in the Bible. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That was God talking. So why are you listening to somebody else's opinion? We are more concerned about other people's opinion. What they think of us than we are about what God says about us. Repent. Because even that is a sin. Being more concerned and therefore more apt to please man is a sin. Because you will quickly conform to what man is saying and you put God on the back burner. God, I have to, 
have to look good. See, they think this, so I'm going to go fix it. But God says, don't worry about that. What did I say about you? I made you. I know what I've put in you. I know what thoughts I think towards you. What expectation? I have plans to give you a good life. Don't worry about what man says. So your sanctification is not just about you. It's how your life affects others. Because if you're not conforming to the word of God, you're going to be a stumbling block to someone. Someone's going to look at you and say, <laughs> so that's what a Christian is? I'm better off being a sinner. Because this one, I'll see him in hell. If the sinner can say, he can pass judgment on you, then you're not a representative of Christ. And in the end, he's not going to say, well done. He's going to say, depart. Oh, but God, I, in my name, yes, but I don't know you. Because of the things you did, the things you said. And someone else is going to end up in the wrong place because they looked at you, the believer. And they were distracted. So repentance from dead works, it is key. Let us also look at, I told you even in repentance, we need the help of God. We are unable to do anything of our own selves. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Repentance from dead works. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God. So you are not even able to repent unless you submit to the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. A dispensation of God is the Holy Spirit. The anointing of God, the power of God is who the Holy Spirit is. You can't do anything. Even then, you must seek Him. Even when you feel, because see, there's a difference between being convicted. Hmm? When you're convicted and being, what is the word I'm looking for? What does the Holy Spirit do? Hmm? Holy Spirit will not convict but one time at the end when you convict you judge man. The voice of your spirit causes you to feel guilty. That's when you you do something over and over again and you know it's wrong and the voice of your spirit is saying just then check yourself. But the Spirit of God, when He comes, and that word convicts, is interchangeable. Because you are aware, as a believer, of who God is, 
you become unsettled and you know because of the word of God that you've fallen short. Your conscience deals with you and that gives you guilt. It doesn't cause change. It is only the spirit of God who convicts, if you will, and makes you repent. When you acknowledge and you're true to God, God, I know I did this. I thought about it. I wanted to do it. I went out and I did it. I repent. I don't like how I feel after that because I realize I've grieved you. I realize I've grieved you. So this thing about repentance is serious. Like they say in English, it can make you or break you. And unless you're really committed, unless you're really convicted, committed to it, you can actually grieve the Spirit of God and He will depart. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon, would visit. But after Pentecost, Christ said, I have to go and the Spirit of God will come and He will stay. He takes residence. He will lead you and guide you in all truth. So He's with you all the time. He's not visiting. He doesn't come on you to do great things in the, like before. Now he's resident. And so if you're not sanctifying daily, you're bound to do something repeatedly because God gives you chance after chance after chance after chance. And it gets to a point where it's like, okay, well, that's the way I am. God understands. Okay, so then you've decided it's okay. And in spite of how many opportunities I've given you, to repent you're entrenched so then you don't need me because my spirit with you should cause you to turn repent so if you say I'm okay this is the way I am you may be you know but you can do all things through Christ so you're saying your word doesn't really matter just how I feel how about God is not dealing with your emotions God is not talking to your soul or your flesh. He talks to your spirit because that is his essence that he breathed into you. So it is incumbent upon you through the word to renew your mind in. Renewing your mind is like taking your car to service and going for alignment. Sometimes you leave your, for those of you that drive, you leave your steering wheel and the car veers to one side. You need alignment. Or sometimes the car is going like it's shaking, balancing your tires. One is worn out than the other. It's service and maintenance. You must do the same for your spirit. You must service and maintain your spirit like you would service and maintain the car. And when you look in every car, there's a manual. The person that manufactured the car gives a manual. The one who manufactured you has given you a manual. It's called the Bible. For you to maintain, you must repeatedly, consistently, constantly refer to the manual. That's how you're going to get optimal use out of your time here on earth. That's how you're going to conform to the image that he's giving you. That's how you're working 
your salvation with fear and trembling. Until the time he comes when you shall be made perfect. You are in the process of being perfected daily by the word of God. Time is spent, but we shall continue this about repentance because it is the only way, the only way we're going to please God. We're going to be able to do what he has commanded, what he has assigned to us. Without that, dead works. Repent from dead works. Everything you do, do in faith. Do it as unto God. Do it with the understanding of who you are, whose you are, why you're here. Repent. You can change. If you weren't able to change, he would have said so. He wouldn't have said the scripture I just gave you. You can do all things through Christ. It is faith in Christ that whatever you're sincerely asking God for, he will do. Because you believe in Christ and what he did for you on the cross, that he gives you access to the throne room. And if you have access, and I've told you before, like I can go right now to my father's room, you may be able to enter the gates. You may be able to get, enter into the living room, but I'm sure you cannot go to his bedroom. I'm able to go to his bedroom because I have access, because I'm a son. Christ, through Christ, we have access into the Holy of Holies, not just by the gates, not just in the courts, you can get into his personal chamber. You can enter the throne room. Come boldly is what the word says. Repentance begins with you acknowledging that you're a sinner and that you can even do nothing by yourself except the Spirit of God who worketh in you both to will and to do. Because if when you decide you don't want to, God will leave you to your reprobate mind. He can cause your heart to remain hardened. This is what you want to do? Have it your way. And you'll take his spirit away. His spirit will no longer be resident. It's a dangerous place to be. After hearing this word, if you're here, and you do not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sin, if you're just talking about repenting and not walking the talk, it's time. Because the time is short. The kingdom of God is at hand. And you, you must repent from all dead works. Anything that you're doing outside the will is dead work. There's a time coming when we will all give account. The day of accountability. Your mother won't be there. Your father won't be there. Your friends won't be there. It'll be you and God. And even while you're there, you will not have the chance to speak. No explanations. Your works will be brought. The books shall be opened. God keeps account. He keeps record. 
and your works shall be tested by the fire. That's what the Bible says. Adversary is here. He comes by letting not find anything in you. Letting not find any way in you. Let not the devil have the opportunity to go and sell and say, see this one here? He says you want to bless him. Oh, you said that's your son? Let me show you what he did yesterday. Because that's all he wants, really. To be able to tell God, you don't even know your own creature. This is the one you said is this one? Take a peek. What is the devil? What case is the devil presenting to God about you? What has he found in you? What accusation? Because that's his job. He is accuser of the brethren. What accusation has he brought or can he bring before the Lord God about you? And what testimony can God give about you? God said David is what? A man after his own heart because he knew he was quick to repent. He acknowledged. I did it. Listen, you have to be true. Listen, there's nothing you can do that you can hide from God. Even the hairs on your head. He knows how many. He knows you intimately. Look at the back of your hand, everybody. Just look at the back of your hand. Just look at the back of your hand. Look at it. Look at it. Look well at it. Look, take in all the characteristics you can find there. Look. Now close your eyes. Stop looking at your hand. If I were to give you a piece of paper right now, can you draw everything that you saw? In the back of your hand? Can you? Anyone? Can you catch every detail on the back of your hand? Can you? Can you? No? It's your hand. And you can't remember everything on the back of your hand. But God knows every mark, every blemish, every crease, everything. On this hand. Things that I don't even know exist, he knows. Every mark, he knows. That's how intimately God knows you. He knows the deepest thoughts, what's in your heart, what your motives are, why you do what you do. So why do you think you can hide anything from him? Forever your walls remain before me, that's what the scripture says, and your name is your name is inscribed in the palm of his hand. Who else do you think you can trust? Who else do you want to trust? Other than the one who knows you this intimately. Even your thoughts, before you think it, he knows it. Who else? Or what else can you trust in? So if you're hearing this word and you don't know him, I want to invite you to come. It is your first step 
in working on your salvation, your sanctification. First step, it is a public declaration. It's a statement you're making. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you for tuning in to today's message. We hope that you have been filled with a fire that fuels your week and a word that erases your doubts and improves your Christian walk with God. We love you so much and we are always here to support. So if you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by following us on Instagram and on Facebook with the handle at Action Young Adults. We would be very excited to have you join our amazing family. Until next time, we are Aya. We love to have you and it's always a new day with us. God bless you.